The following broadcast has been approved for elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz is only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live. We're live from uh, Fitzgerald's Pub in beautiful Uptown Charlotte. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan, and I'm Doug Branson. And I'm David Walker. Hello, Wisconsin. There are a lot of Wisconsin, a lot of Green Bay fans here in Fitzgerald's Pub. By the way, uh, we're here because we're live because of the Charlotte versus Everybody event being put on right now by Bring Back the Buzz. There, there is a strong Hornets contingent uh, here in our section. There's a lot of Charlotte art. I've seen Hornets. I've seen Panthers. I've seen Kemba. I've seen Cam Newton. Not them personally, David, but I've seen art. Their likeness. Yeah, I've seen they're probably um, interestingly licensed, unlicensed uh, likeness. Those are the but, best kind. Right, exactly. It's 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 local. It's community art. It's, it's really underground. Cool. It's cool. It's hip. It's fresh. It's new. Hey, hey, Doug. Real quick. Yes. Yes. I want to make sure that folks follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live and visit us online at HiveTalkLive.com. Yeah, you can listen to us live every Tuesday. It'll be a little quieter on Tuesday at six o'clock p.m. at HiveTalkLive.com. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher to listen to Hornets talk anytime, anywhere, even on Saturdays. You get a little weekend Hornets talk, and we've got a game coming up here tonight, 8, 8.30. The Hornets tip off against the Spurs in San Antonio. So we'll have, uh, for the live listeners, we'll preview tonight's game with J.R. Wilco from Pounding the Rock, the SB Nation blog on the San Antonio Spurs, plus... Big Al Jefferson and Steve Clifford get into a heated conversation on the bench. What led up to it? And should Hornets fans be concerned about that? We'll get to that a little later. But first, uh, we've got to talk about this, David. In their last two games, the Hornets offense has dropped 130 points on uh, one of the best defensive teams in the East and 108 points on a Western Conference team. I'm not even going to qualify that, David. They just did it against a Western Conference team. They did it, period. They did they it at did all, it. two times That's in right. a row. That's right, 100 points, triple digits, twice in a row, and that brings us to our first Hornets Hot Topic. Hansel, so hot right now, Hansel. David, let's kick this thing off here. Uh, what's the fuel in the engine of this new high-octane Hornets offense? Doug, this offense right now, or this team, third in the league in offensive rating. Now, look, a lot of that... You know, that 130-point output against uh, Chicago certainly helps matters. But as we've seen, we saw in the preseason, this four-out, one-in strategy they're doing, getting Al more space, spacing the floor as a, as a whole, getting more ball handlers and getting more guys on the floor that can actually shoot and make shots. Um, they stuck with it. It's going to be their new philosophy. It looks like they're not going to go away from it. I mean, that's the biggest thing to me. There's just more space out there, but there's guys that can make the shots. And there's, and there's reasons why there's more space out there. And I think one of the biggest and, and a big reason why you've seen the offensive output go up in these past two games is their ability to drive to the basket. So yeah. overall, the Hornets are in the bottom 10 in percentage of drives, you know, overall possessions. Last two games, 
their ninth place in the NBA in driving the basketball. So they're getting to the basket, and most importantly, they're finishing plays, okay? So that was a big problem last season, right? You'd have Kimba, who was really the only one that could effectively get to the rim, him and MKG. But Kimba's was a, a less than great finisher. He's been finishing better this year. And then you have Lamb and Lynn coming off the bench, and they're either getting to the line, or in Lamb's case, they're just making guys look silly and finishing their layups. Yeah, and another guy who's doing that a lot is, is Nick Batum, who I looked at today, some of his stats. It's funny because he's not shooting well up to his standards. He's not shooting as, as well as he has in the past, as well as he did last year. He's below 40% from the field which is the first time in his career, I believe, but his scoring is about the same. And he's getting to the line and making the difference up there. And you got to like that if you're a Hornets fan. And you got to have some faith that he's going to, first of all, turn that shot around, start making some of these shots that he usually makes. And if he can still get the production at the line, plus do everything else he does, it's just going to be that much more of a boost for this offense. So, yeah, you're right. Um, you looked at Chicago. That was probably, I'm just going to say, it was probably an outlier, okay? It's probably not going to happen. Yeah, probably not sustainable. <laughs> probably not sustainable. And you saw it the very next game. They didn't hit as many threes, obviously. But, you know, Big Al was a good um, was a good example of this, too. Someone mentioned, I, I can't remember who it was. It may have been Dell. It may have been someone else. But, you know, last year we would see Big Al hold and hold and hold throughout the whole shot clock. Whereas now they're getting it to him. He's making a move. It's either going to him at the at the latter portion of the shot clock. Right. So he's not taking up that much time, and he's making a, a decisive move, something he's worked on. But that, that is a little bit different thing for him because he knows, he knows he's got to go. But it's also they're trying to work it out more than just going to him and watching him for 15 seconds. And Al Jefferson talked about how him and Patrick Ewing – had worked on that a lot in the offseason on Chris Mannix's uh, podcast. Yeah, maybe it was Al. Maybe it was Al who said that. <laughs> it could have been. It could very well could have been. So he worked on it a lot, trying to figure out more quickly, because he's always tried to read defenses, but it's about how quick are you reading them and how quick are you making a decision about whether you're going to go or whether you're going to pass the ball. And and I thought he did a, a, a much better job of that early in the game. And I don't want to I don't want to toot horns, but I'm going to. Like, we talked about how that could be a huge breakout game for Al Jefferson because yeah, of the match. This. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> he, he talked about he, he gave us a, a high five. He's a huge <laughs> fan of the show. Uh, no, but, you know, he – and I think it's a testament also to the coaching staff that they saw those weaknesses and said, yes, we've been shooting the three ball well. We're still going to try to do that, but we've also got this other plan of attack because they went to Al early and often. Yeah, and look – the, the guys, the teams that the Hornets played prior to this, Atlanta, Atlanta, Chicago, uh, Chicago and Miami, yeah. tough matchups. Extremely. Tough matchups for Al. I mean, those – so – and he actually did well in the first half, I want to say, of the Miami game, right, like 17 points, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then didn't have anything else. They went small, and the rest and was took him out of the right, game. Right, right. But – and you saw that in that Atlanta game. He has still got those skills, and, and he said it after the game yesterday. He worked way too hard in the offseason, lost those 20, 25 pounds, which is still amazing. Every time you see him on screen, it's like the guy it looks so much slimmer. And he also mentioned on the Mannix podcast, he doesn't have he doesn't have those playoff miles, the, the Team USA miles that some of the other guys his age has have on their legs. I mean, he's the same age as LeBron James. And, you know, so – his game is also not one that is predicated on explosion, <laughs> you know. Right. He's not skying for many dunks. I mean, he's not a he's not a 
a LaMarcus Aldridge or Tyson Chandler in his Griffin. heyday. Yeah, Blake yeah. Griffin. I mean, he's going to be able to make those moves probably long after he's left the NBA, much, much less as long as he's still playing in the league. So, I mean, he's got some time left, and as long as he can get to his spot, which, you know, on that block, he's still going to be able to be effective. Hey, just want to let everyone know here at Fitzgerald's that uh, this uh, Wisconsin game went final, 31-24. 31-24 Badgers on Wisconsin. So, yeah, Green Bay uh, fans going uh, going home happy. Um, but, I, but I think, you know, you've got guys that are that are making shots, first of all. Al's yeah. also doing a good job of finding them, you know, when when his options don't work. So, uh, and then again, we've, you've got Batum, you've got Lamb, you've got Lynn, you've got Kemba, other guys that can make these drives that you mentioned. Yeah, you talk about Batum. He's the uh, fourth player in team history to have 60-plus points, 30-plus rebounds, 20-plus assists through five games. The last person to do that for the Hornets was Jamal Mashburn. And mm. you know how I love me some mashed potatoes. We talked about. Mash units. We talked about monster, the monster mash. mash this summer. So, that's yeah, right. that's, that's that's high praise right there. Well, it's high praise, and it speaks to the fact that, again, you talked about it, Batum doesn't have his shot going yet. That three-point shot isn't there. Right. But he's finding creative ways to impact the game. And if he just limits his turnovers, which I, I want to bring up again when yeah. we talk about the Spurs, but if he limits those turnovers, he could be an even more effective piece for this Hornets team. Yeah, I looked at those turnovers. I just I was curious because watching him in Portland, obviously he's going to have the ball in his hand a lot more. A lot more here, his usage rate is is like up in the twenties, I think. Right. Uh, which which in, in in Portland it wasn't that much, but he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot more regardless here. And so it makes sense that he's going to have a few more turnovers. It's actually not as high uh, when you look at it as the rest of his career as you would think. I mean, it's still about two, two and a half, something like that. But, but, but the, I think it's concerning. It was concerning when you watch it. Just some of the, they're not lazy passes. It's just not quite knowing where guys are. It looked like more of a feel thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the turnovers that you can't get upset about is when he tries to thread a needle and get the ball to Al Jefferson down in the post. You know, on a on a you know pick and roll situation, you don't get mad at those. Those are creator tax type of turnovers. What you get upset with are the ball. I think the ball handling turnovers. Yeah. And you know, like you said, the the sort of lazy pass, the, cro- the back cross court type. Yeah yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the ones you get upset about. And so if he can cut those out, you're you're fine with him getting one or two turnovers a game, trying to feed out or yeah. trying to you know hit Kimba on a cut or something. That's that's okay. Hey, here's another huge thing I thought about with the Hornets offense. So even though they were struggling against Dallas to hit that three-pointer, David, they attempted 37 of them. They don't care. They didn't settle. <laughs> they, they're not, and, that, and that's a huge thing, I think, for uh, a, an offensive team to be good, is you can't change your offense based on wh- whether shots are going down yeah. or not, right? So they didn't settle. They stuck with the game plan. And luckily, you know, Al Jefferson was able to to carry them through that Dallas game. But that's what you have to do. You have to say, this is what kind of team we're going to be on offense, and, and then go with that. And if it some nights it's not going to work out, but you stick with it. And that's where that's where a team develops from a uh, mediocre offensive team to a, a good to great offensive team. Fifth in the league in team three point percentage right now. It's amazing. Which is amazing. Uh, which is which is truly amazing when you look at where this team came from last year. The worst shooting team in the league, and and, and it's certainly some of the new additions they're having that are having the biggest impact. I mean, 
I'm sure we'll talk about this guy, but I've been blown away by Jeremy Lamb and what he's been able to bring to the table, his confidence. I don't know if it's the extension. I don't know if it's just the, the new surroundings and the new settings uh, or being turned loose or whatever, but that kid is firing on all cylinders right now. He, he is playing a little bit. You know, with the, with the second team, he's getting some minutes with the first, so he's he's playing against that opponent's second team, you know, predominantly now, at least still coming off the bench, but who cares? I mean, honestly, he's coming off firing, and he is hitting these shots, and they look good. I mean, I mean, everything you think they're going to go in, um, and he's shooting, he's shooting out of his mind right now. If that's sustainable, Doug, and we texted a little bit after these last couple of games, if that's a sustainable thing, if this is who Jeremy Lamb is, this gamble is going to be one that paid off. We talked about it last week. They got a hit on some of these gambles they're making. That's going to be a huge one if he can keep it up. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the uh, the three-point makes. So right now the Hornets are averaging 10.4 three-point makes. That's uh, third in the NBA. That's tops in the Eastern Conference. And they're also the best defensive rebounding team in the NBA. And I think, you know, you, you sort of transition from offense to what this team has to do defensively to stay in games. And – they have to rebound the ball significantly better than the team they're playing because, you know, you don't have that. You're sort of piecemealing your defensive stopping abilities with, with P.J. Harrison, and you're hoping Lamb comes along a little bit there. So, you know, being the best defensive rebounding team in the NBA, that's, that's obviously going to help your offense in, in tangible and intangible ways, but it's also uh, going to be good for the defense. Yeah, and another thing – they're, they're cutting down on their turnovers. I mean, we talked about um, Batum a little bit. But in those first couple games, that's probably why they lost. Uh, 20 turnovers in hand um, when they were trying to get a couple of those early wins. So, we, you know, they know that. Clifford knows that. They can't be that sloppy with the ball. They were the best team in the league last year at, at, at taking care of the ball. So I think they're going to even improve on that more. And they are this year. They're, they've done a, yeah. just the past two games yeah. has – really started to make up for the fact that they turned the ball over in those first two or three games. And you at, expect that a little bit with, with, with new guys. Yeah. And, and, again, good opponents. You know, that's, that should not be forgotten and not lost on people. I mean, look at what the Heat are doing right now. Look at what the Hawks are doing right now. Those are two good teams, especially early in the year. Well, and, you, and we have to talk about, too, the fact that it's important that the Hornets went to Dallas and, and put up a, a second straight game of good offensive numbers because – it could have easily the narrative could have easily been this is a fluke and and oh, certainly yeah. they have a ways to go to to disprove that but you have to it's one step at a time right i mean and the dallas game was a great first step to saying this is sustainable this wasn't just a fluke yeah i mean it looks like dallas might have a, a tough year uh, we, we preview in that game yeah there, you know, there are going to be some issues for sure dirk you know not not to dwell on it too much but it's uh watching dirk right now it's he just can't move. He can't move at all. Um, he can still hit that fadeaway, though, yeah. as Marvin saw. Um, another guy, we haven't mentioned his na- name yet, Marvin Williams, probably the most consistent Hornet. It's been shocking. It's been shocking to see him. Some people are complaining probably that Frank has not got the minutes, and some of that's probably Marvin's fault because he's playing out of his mind. He's playing out of his mind. He's, uh, av- or he's averaging the most minutes per game of any Hornet, and he played a ton last year, and it's because Clifford loves his versatility and he's a Swiss Army knife. Like he he can he can hang with a Dirk. He's going to have a big test tonight against Lamarcus. We'll see we'll see how that works out. But he can hang with guys, and and what he gives you on the offensive end far makes up for any deficiencies that he'll have. You know, down in the post defensively. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, he's you know uh, almost a double, basically a double double right now, averaging a double double through the first part of this season. Which is, I mean, there, I saw some tweets earlier this or, or just a few days ago, people talking about should I sell high on Marvin Williams in fantasy? Did you think you would see that? No. no. I mean, that's insane. Should you, though? I don't know. We haven't gotten our fantasy section, but well, for I, right now, I'm not. I mean. If you can find a buyer, definitely find a buyer. Yeah. But, and I'm <laughs> let's not. Let's not forget, Marvin, Marvin does have some miles on his legs. He does, but let's not forget, he is a master of cardio. He's a, he is a, an he's, extreme runner right now. He, he's putting guys on the treadmill. That's for sure. I, I want to make that a thing. Oh, Marvin just put Derek on the treadmill. When he like just and and we'll I don't I want to save the the Spurs talk but it's sure. a, it's an important point I think I think Marvin is going to be a key not only can he hang with Lamarcus defensively but can he tire Lamarcus out can he yeah. move around bring a him little out. bit yeah, bring him out bring him out make him run get him tired I think that long term you know as you get into the third and fourth quarter of that of that game is going to be key uh, so yeah the Hornets offense has been uh, a pretty amazing thing to watch and, and pretty fun. And we haven't mentioned, you know, it's, it's weird. We, we, we've mentioned a half the team right now, but you could go on and on and on. Sure. Jeremy Lin. Jeremy uh, Lin. We, we, have, yeah, we haven't even said Kemba. Kemba. We mentioned Big Al. Um, and they're all they're, the, the important thing to note is that they're all contributing in various ways. There's a lot yeah. of versatility. So with Jeremy Lin, I tweeted out the stat that right now, if, if you take guys who drive the ball more than five times a game, He's fourth in the percentage of those drives that end up as a personal foul. So that means he's driving the ball a lot, and he's getting to the line, which we know mm. is is key to offensive efficiency. And they're making their free throws, you know. Hallelujah. I wish a little bit of that ability to get to the line would rub off on Kemba. So I feel sorry for Kemba sometimes, honestly. I mean, he has taken, if you go back since he's been in the league, it's amazing he hasn't been hurt more. Because if it, you know, with the team with MKG on it, you wouldn't think you would see anyone else take harder hits or harder falls. But that's that's where you, Kimba makes it so easy to pull for him because he will go in there. He has gotten better yeah. at finishing in the trees, but he's just limited. I mean, he's just he's he's as tall as he is, and he's not going to be able to do much about that. But he's he's I think he's finishing better. At least it looks like that from the eye test. But he's just still struggling to get calls, and and I don't know why refs uh you know don't want to give him the benefit of the doubt on that but he's taking some hard hits i don't think he embellishes him that much he's getting hit i, I and this, this is not me criticizing but he does embellish and that's you know it's part of what helps him draw fouls it's part uh, of who he is okay it, yeah, maybe well, you know I mean, he's, he embellishes but there's there's contact I mean, you know what i mean yeah i i think and this is very like deep cut stuff i think yeah. that sometimes his desire to draw contact can hurt his sure. offensive yeah. game a little bit but that's that's, that's another. A, that's another like deep cut thing. That's yeah. that they're they'll get figured out over the course of a year. Hey, I want to reset here. We are live at Fitzgerald's Pub in Uptown Charlotte. Just what a block, two blocks from Time Warner Cable Arena. You can see it from here. I can't. We're inside. We're inside. You, if you walk outside, you can see it. Yes, if you yes, if you stand on the roof, you could definitely yep. see it. Uh, so we're part of this Charlotte versus Everybody event. Uh, hosted by Bring Back the Buzz, sponsored by Good Bottling Company, Good Bottle Company, excuse me, and uh, featuring a ton of local art. Just from what I can see here at the DJ booth, I mean, we have what? Big Al's paint. That's cool. We've got like a muscly hornet 
That's kind of that's neat. Ooh, that looks like something out of Ghostbusters right there, Zool. Oh yeah, that the does gatekeeper. look. Yeah, it does look like Zool. We've got cornhole boards that are painted up for uh, both Panthers and Hornets. I might be purchasing that for sure. Uh, I love this piece over here with Kimba uh, laying it up. Uh, that's a nice piece too. So. Just all kinds of stuff. Um, if you made it out, thank you. Uh, and if not, uh, check us out on our next event because we'll be doing this more often this season. Yeah, so we just got to check the Wisconsin football schedule. Right. We'll make sure that uh, the Panthers aren't playing Green Bay next time. That's for <laughs> sure. Uh, they were they were hot and heavy in here. But um, All right, let's move on. This is a segment we did a lot last year. It's one of our favorite segments. And I thought, look, the Hornets are doing well offensively. The box scores look good. Why not do a box score boogie? All right, box score boogie time. Uh, David, you have all the numbers here. What's the first one? The first number, Doug. Are you ready? I am ready. The first number is four. Four. That's a flat number. That's a four. Um, that is the number of ice baths that Zaza Pachulia had to take after the Dallas Mavericks game and after Big Al put that hurting on him. <laughs> close, close. What was Four it? is the number of Dallas Maverick fast break points. That's huge. That's huge. And, and Steve Clifford has made a point to mention it in almost every uh, opportunity he's gotten uh, post the Dallas Mavericks game to say that the Hornets transition defense has almost seen a complete 180 turnaround. And, and it's just about – I think it's about the new guys coming in and going, oh, no, he's – oh, Oh, so he's really serious about this. He's yeah. really serious about transition defense. And I'm sure more than one or two guys got to talking to about, about that. So just still pa- on. Yeah, I think we're still on. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> uh, pausing here. We've got a, uh, a little bit of a TV blackout here in, uh, in Fitzgerald's pub. That's if interesting. If it ain't Wisconsin, we ain't watching. Well, listen, I think it's our commentary. It's been so hot. They're like, we got to find this Hornets. These Hornets, who are they talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, th- it's good to note. If you are listening live right now, you're in Charlotte, you're in the Charlotte area, come down for the game. They will be playing it, and we will be here. Uh, so that's an important thing to note. All right, continuing box score boogie, what's the second number? Second number is 49.4%. That is um, the percentage of Derrick Rose's body that is still 100% healthy. Oh. Doug, take it back. Take it back. That is my guess. All right. I'm sticking 49.4% <laughs> field goal percentage for the Charlotte Hornets versus the Dallas Mavericks. Wow. And, and that's, you know, we hit on this a little bit earlier, but the shooting, you really can't make up for it. I mean, there was so much criticism on the team and Clifford and yeah. lineups last year. But, look, sometimes you just got to have guys that can make shots. Um, I thought of this. I came up with this on, on my own. Some nights it's a make or miss league. You can use that. I've heard other guys do variation spins on that. Yeah. Maybe By- I think Byron Scott said that. Yeah, he? yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but not really the same way I did. He said, close. no, I think he his variation on it is this is a make or miss league. All of my players are missing. <laughs> that was his. By the That's way, is there any more fun coach to get quotes from than Byron Scott? The media is having a field day with Ooh. that guy, and I, I love it. I There's love something. it. Everything that Byron Scott says. You know, I don't pay super me. close attention. I'm going to say there might be some trouble brewing. I think so. I think okay. that's uh, that's an easy thing to say. Um, I've got one more number for you here, Doug. Go, throw it at me. 58. 
58. Uh, that is the – oh, I know this one. I know this one for sure. That is the setting on Marvin Williams' treadmill, 58. He turns That's it the all incline. the way. That's, That's the, the incline. incline. You're right, yeah. The incline on Marvin Williams' treadmill is 58. 58 points in the paint for the Hornets versus the Dallas Mavericks. Okay, so all three of those from the Dallas Mavericks game, and yep. that's that's important because it was an important game. Um, yeah, that's huge too, I think, because, again, a lot of those obviously came from Al Jefferson, but it, again, illustrates the fact that the Hornets were struggling from the line. I believe they were like 2 of 15 going into halftime. Yep, from the three-point line. From, three, yep. from the three-point line. And so their, their ability to create offense in a variety of ways will serve them very well as um, they get into a kind of an easy stretch coming up. Or not easy. There's nothing easy in the NBA. More manageable than, than the start for sure. And, and Big Al mentioned a little bit of this after the game. You know, a lot of those points were simply catch and push. I mean, he was getting fed right under the basket. Batum in particular on that pick and roll is a wizard. We saw that in some of the highlights we looked at with Portland and Aldridge and, and Batum. Um, but a lot of those guys are getting in and just dishing off to Al. Of course, he's making some moves on himself, but he was very complimentary of the other players he was had on the floor with him last Thursday night. And, and you know, that, that's a big number. He, he, he said they're still going to go inside first and then look to score from the outside. So if you can get that production from Al, and again, losing that weight, getting back, having some success, hopefully the touch is back to stay because he did struggle a little bit with it. But as long as he's got it going, they're going to be able to use that. You know, people talk a lot about how space will help Al Jefferson. And there are a variety of ways that spacing the ball helps Al Jefferson. But one that I've seen late against Dallas and then in other games as well is that the guy that has to double Al Jefferson now has to take a half step out. And if you've ever watched Al Jefferson play, he can do a lot with a half step. Yeah, He can do a lot with, with you know, a half of a second uh, in order to, to make a pivot, uh, to get a drop step going. And so just that half of step, just that half step that guys have to make towards him is making a huge difference. So there you go, guys. Box score boogie. We'll have much more uh, box score boogies, I'm thinking. Because we only we – <laughs> You only like to do the box score boogies when the Hornets are doing well. You don't like the box score boogies when. when no, you don't really boogie when, when <laughs> you, there's no sad boogies. There's no, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll probably, I'll probably end up taking that for a future intro. There's no sad boogies. No sad boogies. I like that. All right. Hey, make sure to check out at thehive.com for all your Hornets news, notes, and analysis. There's a lot of great articles up there. I'll mention one Derek James writing on why or explaining why. The Hornets opted to go with Frank Kaminsky over Justice Winslow. It's still a, a popular topic amongst fans, and I think J- uh, James did a great job of explaining some of the factors, although, yeah. I, although I'll say this, David. Have you seen the Brook? So the Hornets were reportedly offered four picks, including Boston, or, uh, Brooklyn's unprotected pick next season. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm not going to play the what if game. You know, I'm not we about can't. that. We got to let it go. Otherwise, it's going to start but, looking really. <laughs> but for the fans that don't check the NBA standings, uh, they're what? They're 0 5 now, and they look, and they got beat by the Lakers. They look, you know, I like kind of got to blame Ainge. He should have he sold that a little harder. He should have really upsold that. Yeah, he's like, look, look the this Brooklyn is the number one pick. pick. <laughs> the Brooklyn pick. 
Oh man, yeah, no, you're right though. That is a that is a great look at at, at just the scenario, just what the facts were, uh, and how it's played out so far is in there a little bit too. But that's a great breakdown and another great read from at the hive. All right, let's move on. We've got another Hornets hot topic, and it involves a, a heated conversation between Steve Clifford and Big Al Jefferson on the bench late in this Dallas Mavericks game. Uh, it's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. Milk was a bad choice. Hornets hot topic here. So what did you think of this? Now, the camera only caught a little bit of this during the live broadcast. So basically what happened is Al Jefferson traveled and then came back and looked a little lackadaisical on offense. And Was this when he turned his ankle a little bit? So the Hornets... Or was uh, that a different, different time? No, I think this was a different time. Okay. So this was late in the game. The Hornets were in control of the score, but at the same time, uh, they could have easily – the Dallas Mavericks were on a little bit of a run. They could have easily uh, started to make that fourth-quarter comeback. And so Big Al Jefferson travels. He got triple teamed. He got triple teamed and traveled instead of passing the ball out. And he goes back on the other end and really doesn't play any defense on Darren Williams on a drive. And so Steve Clifford calls for Cody Zeller to, to go to the scorer's table. And Al Jefferson proceeds to go into domination mode and knock down two baskets in a row to really put the Hornets up. I believe it put them up 103-83. So they're up 20. Al Jefferson, uh, the Rick Carlisle called a timeout. Al Jefferson goes to the bench, and Clifford and, and Al Jefferson had words. They had an exchange. Yeah, I saw that. I, I wasn't sure. I was like, what's going on with that? Yeah, so, our, so the question is, and the, the hot topic here is, is that something that Hornets fans should be concerned about? No. Nah, nah, you don't think so at nah, all? That's, that's in the heat of the game. Two pros. Uh, it looked like to me that they, they kind of, you know, came to some sort of agreement at some point, I thought, because I was kind of looking to see if they, they would ever go back to it and, 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 and you know, they, shake it off. They and, bro-hugged it out. Yeah, okay. And after the game, of course, the media brought it up, and they smoothed things out. Well, it was odd to see because – it looked like they were down 20 or something. If you hadn't been looking at the score, you saw the head coach and the big man going at it. Well, it tells you, I mean, it tells you, one, who Steve Clifford is. Like, he's yeah. not going to compromise those foundational principles of basketball, uh, you know. Well, I'll tell you, it, it would remind you of, is a guy you'll see tonight, Greg Popovich. Exactly. I, I mean, mean, who will yell at Tim Duncan to – Hall of Famer. Anyone. Yeah, he will yell at anyone, and that's why he's going to be the USA coach. But, it's yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, you know, if you're going – I think he was mad at the triple team that he didn't pass out, and I think that he was mad at the lack of defense. Now, I think Al Jefferson also had a reason to be mad because, <laughs> you know, he, he brought Cody Zeller to the scorer's table when Al Jefferson was in a groove. And I think if you're a player and you're in a groove and you look over and your coach just – like screamed at you and then called out, you know, the, the next guy to sub you out. Al may he may have earned a longer leash. <laughs> I think that's it's what his okay. argument was. Okay, yeah. Um, here's I'll disagree with you. This doesn't happen very often. You and I disagree. I'll disagree with you. I think Hornets fans should be a little concerned, and here's why: because I think Al Jefferson, despite he said all the right things, because he's a professional, but I think long term, his reduced role in a contract year could become a little bit of a, a, a sticking point because he's been able in these first couple of games to do a lot with a little 
But when, when push comes to shove, Al Jefferson wants to sell himself to whatever team he ends up with next or if he ends up with the Hornets. Yeah. So, so I think that, that could be an issue because, you know, Al Jefferson, I think from his perspective, would need more time to get into a groove. And then from, from Steve Clifford's perspective, he's saying, look, if I put you in for 15 minutes or if I put you in for 35 minutes, give me the same effort. And I, there, there's some, you can see some conflict there. I just think it's – I think it was in the heat of the moment type thing. I mean, honestly, I think big – I know there's a lot of big picture stuff. I and Al had some motivation and put in a lot of work in this offseason to get ready for this season for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. Uh, but I, I think he said so many glowing things about Clifford in the past and leading up to this season on, on Chris Mannix's podcast. So many things that, that he – and he even mentioned, you know, sometimes he doesn't like what Clifford says. Sometimes he doesn't like what he says to him. That's probably a good example that we saw. But he respects him, and and at the end of the day, he usually ends up seeing eye to eye with him. So, you know, anytime you have a blow up like that, if it keeps going on in the rest of the season, maybe. But those are two competitive guys. They want to do well, and I wouldn't be. I'm not. I'm not too worried about it right now. All right, Dave. A little reset here. We are live from Fitzgerald's Pub in Uptown Charlotte, part of the Charlotte versus Everybody event by bring back the buzz, trying to get some excitement for the Hornets going here locally. I think that's important because, you know, the Hornets the Hornets are back and they have a much better following than the Bobcats did, but there's still work to do. And, and especially, I think, locally, getting the games played in bars, I think there's still a little bit of work to do. I think Fitzgerald's is great uh, at, at starting that revolution. They have a, a bar a sidebar setup that's specifically for Hornets. There's that's Hornets good. decorations that's everywhere. Cool. And you need that. You need that. I know this is a transplant city, but you need bars that are going to say, hey, we're committed to this this Hornets team. The Panthers have that. The Hornets still, there's still some work to be done. So I think it's an important event. Hey, we're going we're gonna to check in with um, producer Katie here. Katie, uh, have you enjoyed this event so far? Yeah, I think it's going really great. There's a lot of good art, lots of good people. We're starting to see some more Hornets fans trickling. It's it's really good. Well, I mean, you know, th- that's to be expected, I think. Green Bay kind of did a, a green takeover here. I think 25% of the population of Green Bay, Wisconsin, was piled into Fitzgerald's, and, and that's across Charlotte. I'm telling you, these Packers fans, they travel. It's amazing. If you're going, if you're going to the game tomorrow, Panthers fans. Just get ready. Just be ready. Just get ready. Uh, so what's your favorite? what's been your favorite art piece so far? Um, I'm really into these cornhole boards that they've made. Yeah. Uh, there's some Hornets. There's some Bring Back the Buzz. Yeah, there's one. Lots uh, of different different ones to choose from. There's a Keep Pounding cornhole board with Luke Keekley. There's a uh, – and you can, by the way, you can you can get all of these artists' names on the Facebook event. Just go to uh, Bring Back the Buzz's Facebook, or we'll have producer Katie try to find that event and tweet that out. You can get some of the names of the artists and uh, some more information on how you can purchase that art because it's really cool. Uh, hey, Katie, can you do me a favor and grab Evan? Grab Evan. We want to talk to Evan. He's uh, one. Actually, he's right here. Will you hand him that mic, David? Joining us now here. Here's you're calling back into a live show. We're reconnecting you now. Joining us here uh, live in Fitzgerald's Pub, uh, Evan from Bring Back the Buzz. Evan, how are you, man? This is a great event. Yeah, man, this is exciting. you got a lot of people out here with some uh, with some fantastic art showcasing. Uh, a lot of Charlotte talent, which, I mean, was the purpose of all this, but 
it's going it's, it's really gone be up and beyond what I expected well we were talking about how the Charlotte versus everybody event is a great way to showcase that there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of invigorating the the Hornets fan base and getting you know local establishments on board with this Hornets revolution yeah definitely uh, I feel like we've we didn't a lot of people came to us and said all right you bring back the buzz change your name to brought back the buzz or back the buzz or what have you and I was like no yeah because the name's back does not mean the mission is completed yeah there's a certain attitude and a culture that we have to still you know re and reestablish in this community a sense of ownership around this team that we have to reinvigorate and I think stuff like this is a, is a great way for people to meet each other one you know rub elbows and and, and I mean basically do whatever we can to support this this cultural renaissance that we are witnessing here in the past 10 years. All right, well, let me ask you about the Hornets. What what has excited you most about this this two-game winning streak by the Hornets, this, this newfound offensive vigor? I think the fact that you're seeing something from all the players, it's not just one player standing out. It mm. isn't just, you know, Big Al when, you know, Big Al had a fantastic game the other day, but you got to look at the fact that, like, Kemba Walker stepped up. Jeremy Lin had a kind of off game, but he did fantastic the day before. So it's like when one person isn't doing great, even it's not the fact that the player is doing bad, there's other players stepping up to fill that void. And when you have it's, – it's, it's traditional basketball. It's not one player. It's not right. an eye. It's a team. And I think it's going to take a couple games for us to figure this out. That's why I wasn't exactly shocked by no one-three start. And I'm saying – you're seeing, you know, a little bit of that chemistry come in, and anybody on this team in any given night can lead the way to victory, whether it be Jeremy Lin, who's very capable of leading this offense, whether it be Kemba Walker if he's going to go in, or if uh, a big Al is open in the middle, like, or Batum coming on the outside if he works on his turnovers. Anybody can do it on this team. Right. Uh, before I let you go, because I know you're busy, you're talking to people, you're, you're, you're getting the, the Hornets – excitement back in this room after these uh, Wisconsin fans took off. Uh, tell, us, <laughs> tell us about this Hornets bar here in Fitzgerald. I love all of the decorations. I know you, you uh, spoke a little bit about wanting folks to, uh, you know, de help decorate it. Yeah, I, I think what we're, um, we're going for is I, I've donated a couple pieces myself that I had in my personal, uh, my personal library. But, you know, it's fantastic to have you know, new stuff come in, all these new posters that are, you know, funded by Budweiser and all these typical bar posters. But you go to your average sports bar, like sports bar, they have history on the wall. They have stuff that, you know, invigorates that nostalgia. And I think what I want to do is I want to get people to, like, this, like, two people have already donated some stuff to come in here. We have a 1990. I think it was a 98 and 99 team roster poster and a 2001-2002 roster poster. Uh, we haven't put up the old one yet, but we have, the we have the new one up now. I mean, the newer of the two up now. But it's, it's giving that history that to – so when people come in here and they're going to the games, they're like, oh, man, I remember that. That's why I love this team. Right. You know? And it, it goes right along with what I'm talking about, that Charlotte versus everybody, that sense of ownership. We have history. We just need to recognize it. I have a, an Eldon Campbell beanie baby that that I could that I could donate. <laughs> now it doesn't look like Eldon Campbell. It's just a bear with his with his number on it. Well, well neither do those bobbleheads up there. You know, right. like uh, uh, you know, Lance Stevenson 
that he still maybe, that doesn't look like Lance Stevenson okay. to me. <laughs> okay, maybe we could replace the Lance Stevenson bobblehead with hey, an Elvin Campbell. I will sign, I will sign that petition. Hey, thanks for Bring thanks for coming on, and by the way, thanks for inviting us and making us a part of this uh, really cool event. I love what y'all do. I mean, like I've been following you all for a while, and uh, uh, watching you guys, you know, go to SB Nation is 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 a really fantastic step for the 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 campaign that you guys have done on your own. Um, and I, I mean, I, I gotta applaud y'all because you guys have done some fantastic things. I mean, you've had me on Thank a couple you. of times. You've had my brother on, I think, once. And this is something that I think can go a long way in the Hornets community. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. All right, resetting here. We are live at uh, Fitzgerald's Pub. That was Evan Kent's one half. Awesome stuff, of man. Bring back the buzz. And, and yeah, I mean, he nailed it. And, and the, the guys are doing good work in the community, and that's what it takes. It takes, you know, people that are committed to the franchise and committed to Hornets basketball to organize these type of events and, and get people excited because, you know, I think winning helps everything, sure, obviously. Sure, sure. Um, but I think the team can only do so much. The team can provide, obviously, you know, the atmosphere there at Time Warner Cable Arena, but when you talk about the excitement in Uptown – and, and getting Hornets Nation to come out and, and, and watch games here in the city, I think it's important for community organizations like that to step up and do their part. So cool stuff. We've, uh, we've talked about a lot here. We talked about the hot Hornets offense. We're about four minutes away from J.R. Wilco from poundingtherock.com, the Spurs SB Nation blog. He'll come on, help us preview this Spurs game that's coming up here at 830. So just a little under an hour away from Hornets Basketball. Thanks for joining us here. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't already. Get episodes of the show automatically uploaded to your phone through the power of the Internet. Well, we have about three minutes here. Let's talk about Cody Zeller. Uh, we've talked about everybody else. I don't sure. know why we've forgotten Cody. Uh, he looks a lot different. He's got a lot of uh, stitches on his face now. Maybe that's why. We, we uh, you know, don't notice the guy who uh, is getting beaten up every game. But Cody is putting his body on the line, but he's also playing very smart defensively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cody. I'm, first of all, I think we're glad that he has that he's played that he's, that he's been able to play because last week yeah. the dehydration issues they weren't too sure how he was going to proceed. Went through warmups and and looks to be I guess on the right side of this thing. I haven't heard any other any other talk about it. I mean any other any other downside other than just monitoring it for him and yeah. and getting him on a program. So that's good. Uh, and I think you also have to be encouraged by the fact that you know I think a lot of people thought he would probably be starting this season uh, and has not done that. A lot of that like we said has been due to the fact that Marvin has played so well. But bringing Cody, a guy with his athleticism and height and now experience off the bench is something that's big for this team and a big reason why that second unit is able to, you know, hold leads if not increase leads for this team, which is something they haven't had in the past. Yeah, he gives that second unit a defensive toughness, an energy uh, down underneath, and a defensive presence. And and I think it's an important point to then expand on and, and talk about the second unit because, you know, a lot of folks, I think, still questioning, like, why is P.J. Hairston still out there? Why isn't Jeremy Lamb starting? You know, why isn't Jeremy Lin having a bigger role in this offense? And I think it all points to it's not about their individual performances. It's about how does the team best fit. Yeah. And you saw it against Dallas. That second unit was able to come in and 
bring a little bit of an energy and sustain what the starters were able to do. And, and you didn't see that as much last year. It was more like, you know, they had to really tighten up defensively because they couldn't produce enough on offense. Oh, but yeah. you have to have multiple ball handlers on your first unit and your second unit to compete in the NBA, right? And that's and they're a real second team now. I mean, they're a real NBA second unit. Yeah, and if you send P.J., if you switch P.J. And, and Jeremy Lamb at this point, I just think you lose those two ball handlers, those two shot creators. Like, Jeremy Lamb can get a shot for himself. And yeah. there's – you always hear this, David. There's only one ball. And so when you put Lamb with Kimba and Batum – and Marvin, I just think that's too many cooks in the kitchen. Jeremy Lamb can be more effective. Too many cooks. That's right. <laughs> you know, and listen, playing against other teams' second units can yes. be good for guys, especially like a guy like Lamb, uh-huh. who, yes, he's been in the league, has not been able to make an impact, has not really been able to make a name for who he is as an NBA player yet. He's starting to do that now, but – He's having some success. Let him breathe. Let him live there. Let him be let confident. Him, let him be I think, there. And let know, him grow he, into he himself from there. He doesn't have any chance of getting lost on that second unit. Right. He has a, probably a 50-50 shot on a given night with that group, of, of the first unit group, of getting completely lost. That's not what you want. You want that guy to get into takeover mode. And I think, honestly, I think Clifford is looking at that performance, and he's not thinking, oh, man, I could really use that on the first unit. He's thinking – my God, we've got something on the second unit now. Yeah, and not to say that you won't see him start some this season. I mean, we're five games in, you know. It's like, who knows? I just don't think it would be a great idea. Well, I don't think you need to shake things up right now. There's still a feeling out period. There's still a sense of guys getting comfortable, um, and it's working. It's working right now. So you don't often want to mess with things that, that aren't broken. Yeah. Um, so – it's while it's tempting to say, "Wow, you could just plug Jeremy Lin on the uh, Jeremy." Oh, I'm gonna do that all season. Jeremy Lamb in on that first team, and it would be instant offense. Uh, you know, it's working right now. If it develops into that, you know, we'll see. But think about this, Doug. At the beginning of the season, we had no idea who was gonna be the starter, who was gonna be the backup at that two guard position. Right now, you got PJ in there. It looked like it could have been Lin for a while. It looked like it could be Lamb at any moment. So, I mean, now you got three guys that Clifford can go to um, throughout the game. You know, let's forget about starting for a second, but you got basically three levels there where you can put NBA-level talent there and guys that are affecting the game, especially Lynn and Jeremy's Lynn and Lamb. I mean, when those guys get on the floor, they are affecting the game probably more than anybody would have would have imagined at this point in the season, especially for Lamb. I mean, it's really good to see. Well, guys are doing the most with the minutes they're given, and I think that's so important. Like you saw Lynn, I think he only got 17 minutes in the last game, but he had a huge impact yeah. because he was able to get to the free throw line at a really crucial point in the game. And, again, you need guys who can come in and stop the bleeding. You know, if, if the Hornets are giving up a lead – or, or if the Hornets are getting down yeah. multiple points, like you need guys that can come in there, slash to the rim, get fouled, yeah. get easy points. And and to me, you've got guys on this team now that can serve specific roles. Yeah, and, and the Chicago game, it was the second unit that, that really blew that thing out. Yeah. And, and it was out of hand, and then you look up and Big Al and Kemba are coming back in. So uh, it's not something that this team has had a lot of. It's a good spot for Clifford. 
you mentioned it the other night. Maybe this is the first time you can really judge the guy as a head coach because he's he's been hamstrung to a certain extent with with the with the rosters that he's has up to this point. Yeah, he has options now. Like you can't. I feel like it's tough to judge a coach on his decision making when you know he's staring at the lesser of two evils. When you, when he, when he's got when he's when he's got Lance Stevenson shooting seventeen percent from three. Uh, you know, what do you want him to do? <laughs> yeah, I think, like, the only criticism that you could level at this point is that guys, that maybe the second unit is staying in a little too long. We saw that in Chicago and Dallas where he, he's sticking with these guys, and it's only a criticism that you really could level, like, later on in the season. Right now he's still trying to figure out what guys can do and what they can't. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's, like, one of the little teeny criticisms that you could have. Well, yeah, you're right, and I think that is a big part of the beginning of the season, figuring out what's going on, figuring out what roles, what defined roles, you know, each player is going to have and each unit is going to have. So at this point in the season, and again, over the past two games, if he's sticking with those guys a little longer, giving them a little more of a leash, giving guys like Big Al more of a rest, which makes sense, you know, guys like Kimba who have, who have logged a lot of miles and, and, like I said, take some of those big hits. Uh, it's fine to, to let the second unit stretch their leg, legs a little bit now and, uh, and you know, see what they can do. But like you said, it, it's a feeling out period. There's probably some experimentation going on still to an extent uh, because it's so early in the season. Yeah, sorry if you heard any uh, little behind-the-scenes action there. This is, uh, this is our first time out and about amongst the Charlotteans, and it's been an interesting experience, but I want to do this more. We're out now. I don't know if you can put us back. Yeah, you can't put that back in the bottle. That's too intense. Hey, so we're having a, it looks like we're having some issues getting uh, J.R. Wilco in from Pounding the Rock. But uh, oh. maybe we can talk to him, you know, for a recap. Uh, it depends on whether the Hornets win or not, I guess. That's cool. We definitely want to talk to J.R. I'm a bit of a, uh, of a, of a Spurs-ophile, Doug. Why, why I don't know that? if I've ever told you this. Why is that? Well, I don't know if you remember this, but the Bobcats weren't very good. And um, I don't really. <laughs> and so, you know, as I, as, only as watched, I only watched the Bobcats in 2009 and 10, as you want uh, to watch NBA basketball past okay. May. Right. I uh, love that. Sometimes you got to tune in. Sometimes you got to latch on to other other teams. Sometimes you got to find things to root for. And um, you latched on to San Antonio. And I latched on to the beauty that is San Antonio Spurs basketball. It is beautiful basketball and it's leaked into other teams. It's leaked into the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. I think to a certain extent, I don't know if Carlisle is on Popovich's. Well, the, the Popovich coaching tree is, is real. I don't know if Carlisle is on it, but I think you see Popovichian things going on with that offense. Well, I'll say this about Dallas. I'm getting kind of off topic here because we're about to transition into the Spurs preview. But Dallas, with all of their flaws, are relentless with that pick and roll. It, it exhausted me how much they use it because it's, it's three or four picks all in a row and they're all meant to be pick and rolls these aren't like oh i'll just come up and do that like no this is designed pick on pick on pick on pick layering the pick and roll carlisle is a great coach and now correct me if i'm wrong but raymond felton and darren williams both start they started that game that was that was their starting backcourt right felton and darren williams that is yes <laughs> okay so uh, there's that so, yeah, there, so that's, when, I mean, when you're a dallas Mavericks fan issue. you're that's, like that's there's that <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 not good. You know who else is on the Greg Popovich coaching tree? I may, or may have not pulled it up. Rich Cho. Really? Well, it, so he's he's on 
the Popovich tree. Yeah, he's on the Popovich tree. According to this NBA graphic, which is on the internet, so it's got to be correct. I mean, but a lot of good. We're on the we're on the we're on the internet. We're we're mostly correct. I mean, a lot of a lot of big names uh, on this coaching tree. Guys like Doc Rivers, guys like Brett Brown, Kevin Pritchard, Danny Ferry, Mike Budenholzer, as you mentioned, Dell Demps. Uh, So yeah, you know, Popovich is a. That's why he's Team USA now. So what about this? What about this first team scares you most when we're talking about? tonight's matchup. Well, you mentioned it. We kind of saw Spurs light against the Hawks uh, two games ago or two games in a row. They, they run a lot of the same stuff. They play a lot of the same basketball. And they did give the Hornets trouble, especially inside. But the Spurs are a different animal. They've got, they've got Tim Duncan. They've got David West. They've got LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, and we mentioned... Hey, we've got... Actually, sorry to interrupt you. We've got... Uh, J.R. Wilco from Pounding the Rock on oh, the Oh, he knows better than I. Right, so we'll, we'll we'll try to get him in here and talk about it. See if we can get his mic. J.R., can you hear us? Yes, I can. Hi, J.R. Wilco from PoundingTheRock.com. Welcome into the show. Uh, so we were just talking about what scares us most about this Spurs team, and, and obviously you have to talk about LaMarcus Aldridge, but – have there been any issues getting him acclimated to the way the Spurs play basketball? Sorry, I lost you. Can you hear me? Uh, yes. Can you hear us? Uh, yeah, I can hear that. But I've, I've missed your entire question. Can you ask again? Okay. Uh, so we were talking about what scares us most about this Spurs team. And, and obviously the addition of LaMarcus Aldridge and David West to an extent as well make this an even more dangerous team. How has LaMarcus Aldridge been acclimating to the way the Spurs have been playing basketball seemingly forever? So it's an ongoing process. Uh, it, this is one of those deals that um, I think uh, hardcore fans of the Spurs uh, were hoping would pretty much work itself out by this point. And um, <laughs> uh, there's no doubt that, that the team is is – is in the midst of a, of a, of a pretty big struggle. Uh, the, the core identity of the team that's, that's uh, been for the, for the last, say, four or five years uh, surrounded by uh, understanding of great ball movement, um, everybody uh, in motion all the time, um, incredible passing, and it just requires a vision that uh, that the great offense does the way uh, the way that they played Miami in, in the championship year before last. Uh, that is is not what we're seeing from the Spurs. We're, we're looking at a very different kind of offense. And and you think and, and even if it winds up being more like what we have seen in the past, it's it's really not. Um, it, it's not going to get there anytime soon. Um, it's it's a uh, it's a transition, and there's a there's a it's very very unfamiliar to uh, to a lot of fans. Who do you think it's affecting uh, most negatively? Would it be like Tim Duncan's game, or would it be you know your backcourt? I mean, this trouble that the Spurs are having acclimating Lamarcus Aldridge into the offense. Who is that affecting most? 
Well, it's a good question. I'm I'm not sure that I would I would say that it's affecting anyone negatively. It's just there's a lot of ingredients being put together at this point, and uh, it, you have you have guys that don't want to step on each other's toes. Uh, wow. Tim Duncan is. It, it, it's becoming more and more apparent as we go on just what an incredible basketball player he is because he he's completely fine scoring seven points a night um, and focusing almost all of his efforts uh, all of his all of his uh, all of his efforts just on the defensive end and doing little more than than playing for the team on offense. Um, a guy that can still, uh, you know, score the way he did in uh, the, way, the way he showed he could and be the best player on the team for the entire seven-game series of the, of the Clippers uh, uh, playoff, uh, first, first playoff series uh, last year. Um, he's, he's taken a back seat, and, and that just shows you how, uh, how, in, how everyone is thinking about the other guy. Uh, Pop, Pop has said uh, to Lamarcus as early as just this past week, uh, we don't need you to be uh, so selfless. We we actually want you to shoot the ball more. Uh, you're deferring to everyone, and that means that the offense isn't quite working the way that it should. Um, so you know, it's nice that you want to be you know, it's nice you want to be so nice. Yeah. But cut it out and shoot the ball. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's a nice it's a nice problem to have, I guess. You mentioned that that Clippers series, which was epic, in the first round of the playoffs last year. There's always been this thought or this theme, I guess, that the that the Spurs, you know, they don't care how they do in the regular season; they just want to get to the playoffs. Did, did that series in particular is is that real? And did that series in particular kind of change how they're approaching to this season? Is there any sense of urgency to to not be you know pigeonholed down there in one of the lower slots? Man, that's, uh, I think that's pretty tough to, to be able to say um, as a fan from the outside looking in. Uh, I, I can't tell what kind of pressure that the guys are putting on themselves. Um, Papa said before the season began that they can't afford to let uh, any, anybody run away and hide. Right. Uh, they, can't, they, can't let the, they can't let the Clippers and, and the Warriors just have incredible starts and then and just have the one-two seed hang, hanging out there uh, without any chance of running and getting it. So, so, so we know that the we know that the team has at least some understanding of uh, of the way that they expect the, the season to go. Uh, but but at this point, I mean, they're much much bigger issues to deal with, and, and that starts with the fact that. Uh, both of the losses that we've seen so so far, the, the first game of the season against the Thunder and the, the last game that they played against the Washington Wizards, Wizards really came down to the fact that the, the Spurs couldn't execute their offense um, and against uh, focused defensive pressure at the end of the game and really lost because they couldn't score. I mean, their defense is fine. Uh, the, the issues in those two losses were the fact that uh, – the, the vaulted Spurs ball movement just disappeared late in the game. Interesting stuff. Thank you so much, J.R. Wilco, poundingtherock.com for that scouting report on the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, good luck tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Good luck to you guys. Thanks for having me. 
Again, check out poundingtherock.com for your Spurs news and analysis. SB Nation just rocking those amazing blogs, including at thehive.com. Okay, so we're, we're, we're approaching uh, overtime here. Time for one last thing. So we, we are doing a trivia uh, contest here. We are going to do this. We didn't know if we were going to do this tonight, okay. but okay. we are. Uh, and this trivia contest, we're going to pull one of these Hornets fans here from Charlotte versus everybody. And we're going to get somebody qualified for our first ticket giveaway of the season, Hornets-Celtics, December 23rd. We've got lower-level seats to give away. Hey, you can get qualified as well. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Hive Talk Live and give us a like. Give us a like or go to Twitter, follow us there, and uh, hit us with the hashtag beat Celtics, you can get qualified for that, and we'll eventually, I believe early December is when we will do the final contest to figure that out. Alright, so we're ready? Awesome. Producer Katie we'll use David's mic here. Welcome to Hive Talk Live. What, what's your name? I'm Josh. Josh, uh, welcome. Uh, what, what do you think, first of all, about this Charlotte versus Everybody event? Oh, it's, it's been great. Uh, walked down here from my apartment. I was really excited to nice. finally put the faces to the names with the show. Oh, cool. Been listening for a while, uh, while now. Awesome. Uh, really enjoy it. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm enjoying this shirt. Look at this shirt, David. Oh, thank you. Man. I get in compliments all day. Listen, if you win, this, if you win these tickets uh, in December, I want that shirt. That's that, the deal. Oof. That's all a right. hard do deal. You have my, do you have my trivia question? You gave me the trip. You did? I remember it, so I don't even need it. Okay, so in the Dallas Mavericks game, uh, Kimball Walker passed Raymond Felton for uh, third all-time and three-pointers made in Hornets history. To qualify for a chance to win these tickets, can you tell me one of the three people that are still one of the three Hornets players that are still above Kimba on that all-time three-pointers made list? All right. Uh, Del Curry. There's one. You, you're already qualified, but can you give me the other two just for? Ooh, that's a tough one. Twigs and berries. Um, man, who, I, I can't think of anybody else. I, I knew he, I knew Del Curry was the, he the came specialist with the, back in the day. He, he came that, with, came the, one with the one that he one, That's all I had. Uh, can you, David, do you know the other two? I know them because I looked it up. Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice is one of them, correct. Got one more. What The, the third one is kind of tricky, and he is third. Right, right in front of Kemba at this point. Raymond Felton. <laughs> no, Felton is fifth. Idiot. Uh, no, it's actually David Wesley. Okay. David Wesley, third. Right. Um, so, uh, well, thank you for playing. You're qualified. Absolutely. So, Producer Katie, if you haven't given her the, your information yet, make sure you give her your contact info, and we're going to do another trivia contest to see who this uh, – the most hardcore Hornets fan is out there and who will get these tickets. So thanks for joining I'll us. I'll make sure to study up. Awesome. Thank you. Always good to meet a listener. Absolutely. Especially one with a sharp shirt like that. Oh, my I don't, gosh. That, hey, he's actually, not, don't give him that shirt. Producer Katie. Producer Katie. Uh, hey, Producer Katie. Get a picture of his shirt. We're going to send a picture of this shirt out. Yeah, we're going to tweet good. this. It's it, too it good. It really is. I, I love and don't that give shirt. Doug your sh- no one give Doug their shirt. It's unnecessary. That's Why would you say that? That's unnecessary. Unless he needs it. That's I mean, not, unless, you're, unless you really need it. Um, I need that particular shirt, yes. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not, I don't buy a lot of clothes. I'll be honest with you. I've been wearing this uh, HTL polo. For a solid three weeks. Listen, it's close quarters. You don't have to tell me that, Doug. <laughs> I'm well aware. 
All right. Well, listen, it's been a great show. Thank you so much to Fitzgerald. Thank you to our guest, uh, J.R. Wilco from PoundingTheRock.com. Thank you so much to Evan Kent from Bring Back the Buzz. This has been Charlotte versus everybody here at Fitzgerald's Pub in Uptown Charlotte. Uh, we'll get you, it looks like, yep, pregame has started for the Hornets. So we'll send you off to that. Thank you so much for joining us here on Hive Talk Live. For producer Katie, for David Walker, I'm Doug Branson telling you uh, enjoy the game. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. Let's swarm, Charlotte. <laughs>